Welcome to another episode of the MMA Lockcast. I'm your host, Manpreet, aka MMA Lock of the Night, Andrew Boy on Twitter at MMALOTN. This week we're going to go over a huge pay per view UFC 238, two title fights, along with probably the greatest matchup in lightweight history in terms of entertainment value with Cowboys Roney and Tony Ferguson. I'm fucking jacked. So jacked. Fucking jacked. But we're going to kick this episode off with the casuals. My man, Big Rob, is here as always. Yeah. Hey, hey, hey. Uh, before we kick this thing off, he introduced me to Dread Zeppelin. I had Dude. no idea who the fuck these people were. Apparently, they're very big. They, <laughs> they're fucking huge. Toronto-based. <laughs> it's insane. Uh, if you guys don't know who they are, uh, they're like a cover, a parody cover band for Led Zeppelin, uh, but they're headed by uh, a reggae artist. And a guy that impersonates Elvis Presley and fucking sings like him. So go fucking check that out on YouTube because that shit is hilarious. And they actually make some, their, their cashmere fucking cover was actually pretty, pretty good. I won't, I'll give that to them because it, like you were saying, it goes with the Elvis, the, 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 the vocalist, it. right? Yeah. No. So I hear that for sure. Uh, so make sure you guys go check out Tread <laughs> Zeppelin if you guys don't know who the fuck they are. But. Uh, this past weekend at UFC Stockholm, we had a big event uh, where three people ended up retiring. Uh, pretty sad. Uh, but um, I think Stevie Ray might end up being one of them as well. Um, it was a pretty devastating loss for him here against Leonardo Santos. And I'm going to show Big Rob um, a banger of a knockout. It was pretty fucking... It was like a sniper. I'll fucking show you exactly okay. why. So we're going to kick it off with 255 remaining in the second round. Or in the first round. Uh, and yeah, let's fucking get this going. Okay. <clears throat> <clears throat> oh yeah okay. it's coming oh oh whoa <laughs> didn't it look like he did, he got hit by like a fucking just a sniper like just oof, yeah yeah fucking laid out just taken right out right this guy's not even really a striker either he's like a jiu-jitsu guy Oh yeah, he gosh. just ran out. I don't know. Security was horrible for this fight. Let me just say. Oh, you just you just if the fighter is able to get backstage. And security is just fucking standing there doing nothing about it. They're clearly supposed to have some sort of rules and regulations regarding <sighs> fighters leaving the cage. That's why. Clearly, they didn't give a fuck about this. But they hit him. Uh, yeah, he clean. Oh, boom! That, that's it. That was it. One shot, completely like fucking uh, charged up with that one too. Oh, so the first one hit him, kind of. The first one was more him. sort of get your distance. Yeah, you get that distance. Now you know how far he is, and then boom. You bring in that right hand. Oh. And they finally got him back. <laughs> this was his first fight in like two and a half years. Like he was out for a while for some reason. It's like a double tap. Boom, oh, boom. Fucking nuts was that. Show me show me another fucking... Let's go back and see that replay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Poor Stevie Ray. Oh, man. Okay. That... It was I mean, more like a that, palm. Wow. It was more like a palm... Like that, where he touches his head right before. See that? Yeah. That's more sort of gauge the distance, and then he he knows how like how far he really has to go with that right hand to get that type of a fucking finish. I doubt he knew he was going to finish him with that, but fucking paid off. Connected. Insane. Leonardo motherfucking Santos. This guy's thirty nine though, so he's kind of on the tail end of his career, unfortunately. Guys normally last to like they're in their peak and like. Between 30 and 34, I'd say. Okay. And then they start to... And then, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oldest ever Makes champion sense. was a guy that was 43 in the heavyweight division because mm. 
heavyweight's not the most talent-rich division, right? Okay. And this guy had a solid wrestling background. He just came in and fucking whooped these guys. I don't know. Randy Couture, I'm not sure if you've no. heard of that guy before. I've probably seen him. But, yeah. Fucking crazy finish by Leonardo Santos there. That, that, like, out of all the ones you showed me, I think this is the one where someone went down, like, that, that fast. That was crazy, eh? Yeah. Like, the... Just like, the, the so direct. It wasn't even, the like... The fall, too. Was, yeah. That added to the, the aesthetics of it, right? Mm-hmm. It made it more entertaining and pleasing. Couldn't even wake the guy up. They were like rubbing his head. <laughs> I know. He was fucking out. Yeah. That was crazy. All right. Thank you. Thanks, Rob. Appreciate you as always. Let's fucking get into UFC 238. But first, we got to go over UFC Stockholm, which was this past weekend. Took a very minimal, slight loss, minus 0.64 units. Not too mad about that. Luckily for you guys, the next events are going to be free. So uh, after going for two straight paid events, um, you know, take a very minimal loss here at UFC Stockholm. However, uh, my policy is my policy. And, I'm, I'm, you know, if I if it means I got to give you guys free picks again, so be it. <laughs> so you guys are going to be getting uh, three straight events as long as I get all Ws. The fourth event moving forward will be paid picks again. So, uh, you know, keep track on my website, uh, UFC, oh, sorry, <laughs> MMALOTN.ca. I'll be posting all my picks there. I already have three picks uh, already posted uh, and obviously I'll go over them in this podcast um, but uh, yeah next three events free don't know how long that's going to last hopefully we can string together three more wins and then get right back into the fucking green so uh, UFC Stockholm my lock of the night playlist just start off with that five units on Alexander Rakic at minus 199 beautiful odds beautiful finish almost went to a T how it should go you know what i mean with the guy who hits as hard as alexander rakic and for a guy who has such a suspect chin in uh jimmy manua uh you know it kind of went how it should have went and that's why it was my fucking luck in the night play i didn't think that were there was an easier you know uh bet on this card um other than you know maybe the inside the distance for rakic <clears throat> uh but one of the plays I ended up poking a little bit as a normal play, uh, I was close to making my lock of the night play as well, but thankfully I did not. And I am talking about the Daniel Tamor and Sung Bin Jo fight. The f- I bet two units on the fight doesn't go to the decision at minus 185, I believe it was. The um, whiffed on that one, unfortunately. Uh, another one that we whiffed on uh, was kind of a surprise. Uh, Tony Avenger and Gustafsson parlay. Uh, I had 1.5 units on that at minus 122. Um, you know, Avenger goes out there and lays an egg. Uh, it's it's insane seeing some of these people be able to make such a massive improvement in their grappling games. Uh, but you could also kind of attest this to Tanya Avenger's, you know, imminent uh, decline. You know, she's up there in age. Uh, she has a lot of wars on her belt. Um you know, she may not be as strong as some of these younger girls now, so it's going to be harder to implement these games, and it seems like she got really tired, you know, she's she's known to have some cardio, she's known to be able to grind girls and, and outwork them, but she was just not able to do it here with Lena Landsberg, and it was very, very surprising, so, uh, you know, my main concern on this parlay was actually going to be Alexander Gustafsson. I had a little bit of a, a bad feeling about it, which is why I only did uh, 1.5 units. You know, I like stylistically, this is a fight that uh, Gustafsson and Evan Schur should win hands down. 
However, there are always external factors that, you know, as gamblers, we have to be cautious of. Uh, and unfortunately, you know, both of those things came into play here. It, it didn't hurt as much when Gustafson lost since Evinger already lost. But uh, it was a very, very much a surprising uh, development when both uh, Tony Evinger and Alexander, Alexander Gustafson took their losses. Um, another loss that was taken on my half. Oh, oh. <laughs> Hashtag always tired, y'all. Um, it is 8.15 on Tuesday. Uh, 8.15 p.m., I should say, on a Tuesday after I worked a long fucking day and all this other shit anyway. And y'all don't want to hear my sob story. <laughs> but uh, uh, my next play that I unfortunately lost was I had Demir Hadzovic to win inside the distance. I had 0.75 units at plus 165. I thought it was great odds. You know, we saw Giagos, um, you know, fade in prior fights. Uh, and I thought that Demir was going to be able to, to uh, you know, capitalize on that flaw that Christos had. However, Christos was able to keep it together, win enough of the rounds, and easily survive and get that decision victory over Hazovich. So props to anybody that played Yagos. You know, I could definitely see the path to victory there. Uh, I was very much on the Hazovich train uh, pre-tape, and I kind of leaned off of it a little bit, but still like the value that I was getting on the Hadzovic inside the distance, which is how I thought he would have won. Uh, however, he didn't win. Yagos was able to pull out the decision victory, minus 0.75 units there. Uh, and then lastly, I had my dog of the night play, which was uh, under 2.5 on the Makwan Amirakani and Chris Fishcold fight, uh, one unit at plus 110. Uh, I thought it was, uh, you know, at dog money, it was definitely worth the play, considering a guy like Fishcold, you know, kind of gasses, really start, starts to suck wind at times. And, uh, you know, he had the hands to possibly knock out Amerikani, but Amerikani has the the craftiness on the ground to be able to catch a, a submission on Chris Fishgold, which is what he did. Um, I had Chris Fishgold winning the fight. I thought he was going to win the fight. Uh, I picked him to win the fight. However, Amir comes out with the victory here. However, we cash regardless with the under 2.5 as my dog of the night play. So, with all that said, minus 0.64 units. Unfortunate uh, loss there, um, but... We're fucking back at it. Three straight uh, free pick events for you guys. So, <clears throat> again, check my Twitter at MMALOTN or check the website at MMALOTN.ca uh, for all my picks. And let's, I got at least two more plays that I'm going to make uh, this week, uh, and I currently already have three. So, UFC 238, um, very, very fun card, top to bottom. This is one of those cards where... I'm going to go over to Tony's house to watch this shit. And normally the first first two, three fights, we kind of dick around. Maybe we'll watch or we'll play Call of Duty while we have the fights on on like uh, a tablet or something. Um, or we're just, you know, we're fucking around, doing whatever, not really paying attention to the fights. However, this card, I, th I I'm going to tell Tony, fuck you, sit the fuck down. And we're going to watch these fights from beginning beginning to end. Maybe through the Caitlin Chukagian and the Joanne Caldwood fight, we'll throw on a, throw on fucking... Uh, some cod or something like that uh, but uh, I do have a bet on Joanne Calderwood so I'll probably try to beg against that um, so let's just fucking get uh, you know what actually quick thoughts uh, Caitlin Chugagian versus Joanne Calderwood to kick off the card great fight uh, at least in terms of rankings of that division uh, Eddie Wineland's fucking around again Bevan Lewis against Darren Stewart I think is going to be a barn burner uh, Ziano Nan Zhao Nan Yan against Angela Hill is a great fight for Yan as well to kind of finally 
cement herself uh, among the strawweights and show that, she, you know, I'll finally get a name under my belt. So that should be a good uh, victory for her there. Uh, Ricardo Lamas against Calvin Guitar. Uh, Carolina Kavakovic against Alexa Grasso, Pedro Munoz against Aljo. How the fuck is Pedro Munoz against Aljo on the prelims? And Jimmy Rivera and Peter Yan is on the main card. I know Peter Yan is must-see TV. I completely understand with that. But rankings-wise and where these guys are, obviously Aljo and Pedro Munoz are much closer to a title shot than I believe that Peter Yan and Jimmy Rivera are. I think regardless of what happens in the Yan and Rivera fight, both of those guys are going to need at least one more victory before they can get a title shot, which is why that Pedro Munoz against Aljamain Sterling is, in my opinion, the next number one contender fight. So they should definitely be up there. Don't know why. Tatiana Suarez, Tatiana Nurmagomedov, Suarez, she's fucking back. Uh, I don't really give a fuck too much about Tuivasa Ivanov. Jimmy Rivera against Peter Yan, amazing fucking fight. Valentina Shevchenko against Jessica I. Valentina Shevchenko. Um, Suhudo Marais, amazing fucking fight right off the top, or to, to cap off the card. But the People's Main Event, Tony Ferguson against Donald Cerrone, amazing fucking fight. Uh, Donald probably shouldn't have taken that fight. Tony Ferguson doesn't need to fight anybody other than Khabib or whoever holds the fucking belt. Regardless, we're getting this fight because they're both warriors. They both love to fucking fight, and it's going to be a fucking crazy fight. So I'm happy regardless. Let me take a quick sip of water before we get into this fucking madness. Because I'm losing my breath. <clears throat> or losing my voice, I should say. Alright, let's kick this motherfucker off. Caitlin Chukagan versus Joanne Calderwood. Like I said off the top of the, the Quick Thoughts preview, I got a bet on Joanne Calderwood. 1.25 units at minus 102. I thought that's great value for a girl that uh, pushes the pace a little bit more than Caitlin Chukagan in terms of uh, effective striking and effective uh, actions towards a win. You know, Caitlin Chukagan has lost a lot of fights uh, due to... Uh, I shouldn't say a lot, I'm sorry has made fights a lot closer than they should be due to her lackadaisical approach in terms of being active, but like being active in a not so active way. It's weird to kind of explain. You know, she she keeps the fight very close. She never really throws her too much heat. She only has one fucking stoppage on her record, I believe. Sorry. Uh, four, three stoppage uh three stoppages on a record but the last one isn't since uh march of 2016 since then she has had uh she's gone four and two all decisions um you know this last one against just guy it was a split decision loss um you know for a girl that says um credentialed and well-versed in jiu-jitsu as she is I'm very surprised we haven't seen her lean on that a little bit more. She loves that, you know, being on her bicycle type of style. She loves to kind of like, you know, hit and get out of the way. But like, again, it's just not too much of a hit. Like the Jessica fight was super close because she knew, you know, when Caitlin was coming in, she was able to catch her. Uh, I think Joanne Calderwood is going to have just as much success as Jessica on the feet, probably even more. And I think that she will have no issue kind of grinding this fight getting the better of the clinch exchanges. Um, and I think that she's going to beat up Caitlin Chukagian's leg. Uh, and I think that's going to be a big determining factor in this fight. Um, I love that the fights are pick em odds. Uh, I love that I only have to put down 1.25 units at minus 102 because, you know, I bet against Joanne Calderwood in her last fight. And there's a reason I did. Um, you know, I, I don't think that she's the greatest out there, but I think that she has uh, the advantages here and the, the aggressiveness 
to take rounds away from Caitlin Shukagin, who is going to be active regardless for three rounds. But again, her lackadaisical approach to being active is going to be her downfall in this fight. And I think that's where Joanne Calderwood is going to be able to capitalize. And that's why I have a bet on her at 1.25 units. I'm going to say that she wins by decision. She'll probably take at least the first two rounds, uh, you know, with clinch work, with good striking. Um, <clears throat> And unless we see a Caitlin Chikagin go for like a, a takedown and try to implement her jiu-jitsu, which again, we have yet to see, uh, I don't think that we see her get the victory here. So I'm going to go with uh, Joanne Calderwood by decision, um, but I wouldn't wager more than like 1.5 to 2 units on that. But myself, I put 1.25 units at minus 1 or 2. Uh, for some reason, the UFC does not have the next fight, which is supposed to be Eddie Wineland against uh, Grigory Popov. Popov! Popov! Um, yeah, they don't have that fight listed on their website, on the fight card, because, you know, they love marketing their fighters. Um, but you know, we're going to go over it quickly while you guys can uh, take a quick look at Bevan Lewis and Darren Stewart on the slideshow. Uh, Eddie Wineland's coming off a two victory or two losses to John Dodson and Alejandro Perez. Uh, I'm, I'm still surprised he's kicking it around. You know, he's uh, 37 fights deep into his UFC career now, or sorry, his MMA career. Um, and he's just never anywhere. Like he's, he's losing a couple fights and then he wins a fight. So just, just look at this, just hear this stretch from when he came to the UFC. Uh, Two losses, then two wins, then one loss, then one win, then two losses, then two wins, then two losses. Is it going to be two wins now? Or is it going to be three losses, and then three wins, and then four lot? You guys get where the fuck I'm going? Regardless, this all comes down to actual styles. Uh, Grigory Popov is a very good uh, Muay Thai fighter. You know, he trains out of Tiger Muay Thai. Uh, I saw a lot of good things in with him. Uh on tape in terms of uh, his technique. Um, however, I don't know. Uh, you know, his jiu-jitsu is decent enough to the point where he's able to pull off at least two Gogo Platas in his last four years, at least in the last four years that he's been competing. However, he's doing it against these guys that are 0-1 and 3-2. and So we had the similar conversation about somebody last week, I can't remember who it was, uh, regarding their level of competition and how legitimate some of these wins should actually be. We know Eddie Wineland has fought the best of the best. We know Eddie Wineland has fought, you know, the Hennem Burrows when Hennem Burrows was a monster. Uh, the Brian Caraways, say what you want about Brian Caraway, but he was a talented fighter. Uh, Eve Jaboyan, Takeo Mizugaki, Frankie Sainz, John Dotson, Alejandro Perez, who has been looking really good as of late too, Brad Pickett, Scott Jorgensen, Joseph Benavides, Uriah Faber. This guy has fought the best of the best. And, you know, he's put up a bit of a fight. He's only been stopped by Johnny Eduardo, Henenborough. Yes, those are the only guys he's been stopped by in the UFC. So, you know, this is going to be a very tough out for Grigory uh, Popov in his UFC debut. And so, which is, you know, the fact that it's a UFC debut is another reason I'm leaning towards Eddie Wineland. I think he is going to have the success, uh, you know, in uh, in the changing uh, of the, the the phases of this fight in terms of going from striking to grappling to clinch to all that, I think he's going to have the more well-rounded game here. You know, Grigory Popov is fourteen and two, has plenty of experience, but again, it's against guys that are. Let's just let's just fucking do the math here. Eight, nine, twelve, uh, twelve, twenty-seven, 
31, 33, 37, 42, 46, sorry, 42, 45, 49. So where's that? 49, 49 and 4, 6, 12, 18, 19, 20, 24, 25, 27, 28. 49 and 28. But a lot of these guys that you're fighting are have no more than six fights. Five and one, three and two, one and oh, three and oh, uh, 15 and four. So that's one of the guys, and he lost to that guy. <laughs> um, 0 and 1, 0 and 0, 0 and 1, 4 and 0, 2 and 0, 4 and 2, 5 and 6, 0 and 0, 3 and 2, 4 and 4. Why the fuck are you fighting a guy that's 4 and 4 when you've been on such a tear as well? You know, this guy has won 3, 5, 10 straight fights. So 9 straight fights before he fought his last fight where he went against a guy that was 4 and 4. Before that, against a guy that was 3 and 2. Before that, a guy that was 0 and 0. <laughs> what the fuck? And that guy still hasn't fought since that fight, which was in November of 2017. So what the fuck are we doing with the level of competition, guys? I'm going to take Eddie Wineland here by, uh, let's say, third round TKO. Let's say he just puts it on Popov for that most of that fight, sticks around, and then uh, pushes the pace in that third round and gets the victory there. But I'm taking motherfucking Grigory Popov. I missed... Two things that I want to do before um, before actually getting into this card, but we will do it at the end of the show. All right, uh, next up is the actual fight that you guys see on the screen right now, Bevin Lewis against Darren Stewart. Bevin Lewis is coming off a loss to Uriah Hall in a fight that he looked pretty fucking good in. Um, you know, after watching his Alton, Alton Cunningham fight and Uriah Hall fight, you can tell this guy is a very uh, unorthodoxish striker that is very explosive and able to, you know, have success with a lot of his blitzes. Um, you know, there's a reason he was able to finish Alton Cumming so quickly, you know, three three minutes into that first round, but just being so diverse and, and, and different with his striking, uh, I think is going to be a problem for a lot of guys that's a tough task, though, against a guy like Darren Stewart who packs a lot of power. I don't expect this fight to really be contested in the clinch. I don't expect these guys to really be going for takedowns much. I think they're going to want to see if they can land, who can land first and who can land the hardest and see who will go down first. I'm going to have to give the edge to Bevin Lewis here, however. I like his size. I like his speed. I like his ability to get in and out of these uh, these spots. You know, Uriah Hall kind of caught him. Uh, and that was his first loss, but I think he's going to learn a lot from there and kind of like shore up that little hole. It was just a one little blip. Uh, Joe Rogan said it perfectly on the broadcast. He zagged what he should have zipped, vice versa. Unfortunate for him, but he looked really good for roughly 11 minutes of that fight until he was eventually caught by Uriah Hall. The one thing that you can give Bevin Lewis a, lot, a knock on is kind of his cardio. Uh, you know, he's really slowing down near the end of that second round. Uh, in the third round, he was coming out a little bit slow, and that probably was why Uriah Hall was able to land that perfect shot. Um, however, I don't think this fight is going to go that long. I think it will last probably a round and a half, maybe less. Um, and I definitely like Bevin Lewis here. Um, and I'm leaning... I guess since my picks are free now, I'm leaning to make it t towards making this uh, 
this fight does not go to decision as a lock of the night play. Uh, I'm trying to see where that line goes. I'm going to let the the week go on a little bit because lines usually shift, and I haven't been the best at predicting lines. Uh, but uh, you know, uh, I think that maybe we could get better than minus one eighty five, which is currently what it's at. <clears throat> but I'm going to take Bevin Lewis here. I think that he finishes. Um, Darren Stewart, end of the first round, near the end of the first round, and gets a victory there and gets back into his winning ways. <clears throat> Next up is a fight that I'm very excited for, um, strictly because of one girl. Uh, Nan Yan against Angela Hill. Um, I, I love this 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 fight for, uh, for Yan. You know, uh, she's fought Kaylin Curran, Viviani Pereira, and Siri Kondo in her UFC run. Uh, and But this is arguably the biggest name that she's fought. And, you know, Angela Hill is not the most famous fighter out there or anything like that. However, she is still a name that people will be like, oh, she beat Angela Hill? Okay, maybe this girl is kind of legit. Uh, I think the style that Angela Hill pos- uh, or is going to be uh, bringing into this fight kind of plays right into Yan's hand, you know. Angela Hill might try to fuck around and go for a takedown here, which got her into trouble in the the Randa Marcos fight that she had. Uh, but I think that we all know that this fight is going to be contested on the feet. I think that Nan, Yan is the, the the stronger fighter here as well. So I think that her takedown defense is going to hold true and she'll be able to stuff any type of grappling uh, Angela Hill tries to implement here. But I think Angela Hill is going to have a really rough time on the feet. I think she's going to you know fade and falter under that that the the power and striking ability of Yan and the just the viciousness that she brings into the cage, I think that's just going to be too much for Angela Hill. I think that Yan is going to burst onto the scene. I wouldn't be surprised to see her get a late finish here. However, it's a women's fight. Not trying to be sexist, <laughs> but I think this fight's going to go to a decision. <clears throat> I'm going to take Yan by brutal three-round beatdown of Angela Hill. She's deserving of the odds that she's at, and I wouldn't be surprised if I ended up, come fight day, possibly have her in a parlay because I probably wouldn't play her straight up minus 200, minus 185. Um, but I still think she rolls in this fight, and she's going to have much success. So I'm taking Zhao Nan Yan by decision. Next up, we got Ricardo Lamas against Calvin Qatar. Very interesting that Calvin Qatar has been getting a lot of love from a lot of people um, throughout this fight week. Uh, yet the line is not as big as I thought it would be. So right now, Calvin Qatar is sitting around minus 157-ish, minus 160. Uh, return on Ricardo Lamas at plus 143. So I kind of... I kind of like Ricardo Lamas at dog money here, I'm not going to lie. I'm very tempted to bet him at dog money here. You know, a lot of people like to overlook Ricardo Lamas in the Dennis Bermudez fight. He was kind of overlooked. Um, That was a while ago. (laughs) Uh, He was overlooked in the Charles Oliveira fight. The Jason Knight fight, he was very much overlooked. You know, that was kind of the beginning of the end of Jason Knight's career. Uh, And then... uh, uh, I got a lot of shit from people for betting uh, Ricardo Lamas against Darren Elkins, but I thought it was a very, very, you know, obvious fight. You know, Ricardo Lamas is not going to fucking gas like a Mursad Bektik. Um, and speaking of that Mursad Bektik fight, you know, he was kind of in that fight too. 
It was in his hometown of Chicago. It was a split decision loss, but he showed that he could still hang with some of these guys. And I think he's going to have a lot of success with Calvin Qatar and implementing his wrestling style. Uh, you know, Calvin Qatar is a very, very impressive striker. He's coming off a great victory over Chris Fishgold where he knocked him out in the first round. Uh, and I think he could have some success against Ricardo Lamas here on the feet. However, I don't think that he's going to have much success when it comes to the grappling and when Ricardo Lamas starts to, you know, close the distance and tries to, you know, reduce the impact of some of these punches from Calvin Qatar simply by grappling him, getting a hold of him, and probably taking him down. We've seen Calvin Qatar get taken down by Chris Fishgold, but we saw that he was able to get back up pretty quickly. I'm going to ra rate Ricardo Lamas slightly better or, you know, Definitely better than Chris Fishgold in keeping guys down. Um, but uh, I, I do expect Calvin Qatar to be able to get off, off of a couple of these Ricardo Lamas takedowns. Uh, but, you know, I don't think Ricardo Lamas' striking is the worst. Um, I don't think Calvin Qatar is going to be able to knock him out. Um, I got to go with Ricardo Lamas here. I'm going to go with Ricardo Lamas by decision. I think we see a vintage Lamas performance where he, you know, perfectly... Uh, incorporates all aspects of MMA with his striking and his grappling, uh, mainly his grappling, and he gets this fight into a, a range which is more preferential for him, uh, you know, which is him in top position, him kind of holding position, uh, and uh, and landing the better damage here. So I want to see where the line goes. I think the love for Calvin Qatar is going to continue to come in. However, I'm going to be on the opposite side of the boat and probably put at least 1.5 to 2 units on Ricardo Lamas. Uh, if he hits plus 150, I'll probably pull the trigger at that point. But currently, the best I can get is plus 143. So I'm going to wait it out a little bit. You know, it's still Tuesday. It's still early. But at least I can let you guys know that that is who I'm, who I'm thinking of. And I know, you know, whatever I say is not going to significantly, significantly influence the betting line. So I'm happy to fucking say it and let you guys know. But when that day comes, where my advice will shift lines, I'm going to shut the fuck up. Unless you pay me. Or if my picks are free. Whatever. Anyway, let's move the fuck on. Like I said, I got Ricardo Lamas by decision uh, over Calvin Qatar. Next up, we got Karolina Kavakovic against Alexa Grasso. Alexa Grasso is coming back from an unfortunate mauling via Tatiana Suarez. Luckily for her, it only lasted two hours. Two minutes. I was going to say two hours. Luckily for her, it only lasted two minutes and 44 seconds of that first round uh, where Tatiana was able to get the rear naked choke really quickly. You know, we see when Tatiana Suarez goes in with some of these girls, she is just leagues and levels above them. You know, I'm going to get into Tatiana a little bit more, but that Carlos Pazza fight for her was just fucking insane and just shows you how good this girl really is. Uh, but getting to the girls that are actually up right now, Oh, motherfucker. Uh, Alexa Grasso against Karolina Kavakovic. I think this is going to be a primarily a stand-up fight. I think both girls possess a lot of skill on the feet, and I think that they're both going to be very... Um, kind of have a little bit of an ego and a lot of confidence in the striking ability, and I think it's going to go... Uh, I think it's going to be very close. I think that the fact that Karolina is a little bit of a heavier a favorite... She's currently at, oh, wow, wow. This line significantly closed from the last time I seen it. Uh, last time I saw it, it was roughly around minus 150 for Carolina. Now it's sitting at minus 112. It's pretty much a pick em now. <laughs> That's fucking insane. Uh, yes, this is exactly where I think the fight should be lined. You know, minus, one, minus 110, minus 115-ish for either girl. I'm completely agreeing with that. I think that, you know, a lot of people are slowly looking over the fact that Alexa Grasso, you know, 
she was a kind of a heralded prospect coming into the UFC. You know, she beat Jody Eskimo in her last fight coming into the UFC and then uh, beat Heather Jo Clark. Lost a decision to Flea Serg, which was very surprising. Uh, then had a split decision over Ronda Marcos and then unfortunately ran into Tatiana Suarez after that. She's still very young. I think she has a lot to learn, but she has a very good matchup in front of her in terms of allowing her to show her skills. I think that we're going to see Alexa Grasso get the victory here over Karolina Govakovic, which kind of fucking hurts because I really like Karolina. And I think that she, you know... Um, it's unfortunately the loss that she took to Michelle Watterson where she was out grappled in very um, important and significant moments of each of those rounds which l made her lose those rounds and I think that I wouldn't even be surprised to see Alexa Grasso kind of take this fight to the ground and get the chips more so in her corner a little bit you know uh, make it a little bit more decisive for herself. However, I can't trust that Alexa Gross is going to do that. I think this is mainly going to be a stand-up war. Uh, and either way, I would take the underdog, no matter who it is. And currently, it's Alexa Grosso. So even though the line has really uh, closed, she is still the underdog. Uh, and I definitely feel safer taking the underdog in a bet that's going to be very fucking close here in Alexa Grosso and Karolina Kavakovic. So my pick is Alexa Grosso by decision. Um, very unfortunate for Carolina, but I think that Alexa Grasso is going to come back and remind people why she was such a huge prospect. Next up, we got a very important fight in the bantamweight division between Aljamain Sterling and Pedro Munoz. Very, very big fight. Um, Pedro Munoz is coming off of three straight wins. Brett Johns, uh, Brian Caraway, and then Cody Garbrandt, you know, Cody was having a lot of success on the feet until he got fucking pissed off due to an inadvertent headbutt uh, and then kind of paid for it throwing bongs or throwing bongs, throwing bombs with uh, Pedro Munoz. Not a good idea, especially when you have very evident chin issues uh, and you're trying to distance yourself from those. However, Pedro Munoz eventually finds his, his fist on Cody Garbrandt's chin, puts him out uh, and you know, cements himself in pretty much a number one contender fight, number one contender fight against Aljamain Sterling here. I think no matter who wins here, they are deserving of the next shot. The winner of the main event should definitely be fighting Aljamain Sterling or uh, Pedro Munoz. So breaking down this fight, you know, Aljo is also coming off of three straight victories, Brett Johns, Cody Stamen, and Jimmy Rivera. Um, I was a long time... Aljo hater you know I, I was a big Aljo lover when he was first bursting onto the scene there I kind of started hating him don't know why uh but now I'm a believer once again and I think the kind of game game plan that he implemented on Jimmy Rivera was the perfect fucking thing that he needed to do people can say what they want about Jimmy saying that he didn't show up for that fight or you know he just wasn't there no it was what Aljamain Sterling did uh you know implementing a grapple-heavy style in that first round and then kind of just playing on the outside and kicking a lot in the next two rounds. You know, it really stifled Jimmy Rivera's uh, potential offense uh, and, you know, Aljamain Sterling was able to come up with a unanimous decision victory there. I think we're going to see not the same type of style here against Pedro Munoz. I think that Pedro is going to be significantly at the mercy of the reach disadvantage here, which is exactly what do we got uh, 71 inches for Aljo, 
and 65 inches. So it's roughly around a six inch reach advantage for Aljo. But again, those those kicks, those the long legs of Aljo and his awkward style of throwing those kicks out, I think it's going to be very interesting for uh, Pedro Munoz to try and get around that stuff. I don't think he's going to be able to. I think Aljo's going to have the perfect set of range. I think that if Pedro even wants to try to take this fight to the ground, that Aljo's going to have the wrestling and the defensive wrestling to keep this fight on the feet. So, uh, you know, Pedro throws with heat. His, his stand-up is definitely getting better, but I I hope he hasn't, like, just for his sake, I hope he hasn't fallen in love with his hands, thinking, look, I just knocked out Cody Garbrandt. I could probably do that to anybody in the world. And he completely forgets about his jiu-jitsu, which, you know, is his strength. You know, he, he likes to walk forward a lot. He likes to put on pressure. He likes to throw bombs. But I think he's going to be eating a lot of kicks from Aljo here. And I think that Aljo will do what he needs to do to keep this fight on the outside. Um, and then, you know, have his defensive wrestling there to bail him out if Pedro decides to take this fight to the ground. Uh, so I, I really like Aljo here. Um, the one part, like I, I had hinted at a possible parlay earlier th- today, um, but I did like um, possibly a Xiao Nan Yan and uh, Aljo uh, parlay, but I see that we have Aljo at minus 122 now. So maybe even a straight play on Aljo here is what I might do. But, you know, I bet on Pedro Munoz in that last fight. I thought that it was a lot of disrespect, uh, roughly around plus 200 for Pedro Munoz, uh, especially with a guy who throws so much heat against a guy who just recently had significant chin issues. Uh, so it was a nice catch when Pedro Munoz got that victory. Uh, but I think he his run stops here, unfortunately, against Aljamain Sterling, who's, uh, in my opinion, I think is really his time. And he's going to definitely get a well-deserved title shot after this fight, even though, you know, I, I'm not going to say who I think wins the main event, but... You know, he has a loss to Marlon Marais, but I think it's something that definitely you can run back, uh, especially with the streak that Aljamain Sterling is currently on. So I'm going to take Aljo by by decision here. I think he outpoints Pedro Munoz um, and gets the victory via decision. Next up, we got Tatiana Suarez. Tatiana Nurma, my motherfucking Suarez. I love this girl. She is such a beast. She's fighting in Nina Anzaroff. Um... This girl is the number one contender. After this fight, get her a motherfucking title shot. That's it. Get her a title shot. She will rule this division for years and years to come. How old is she? Because if she is young as... Y'all are fucked. She's 28. We got roughly eight years of Tatiana Suarez coming at you guys after she mops the floor with Nina Ansaroff here. I'm not going to spend too much time on this. We all know what the fuck is up. You know... Tatiana Suarez, the abilities that she showed in her in her fight against Carlos Esparza are just fucking insane. You know, she outgrappled a very impressive ga- grappler in Carlos Esparza, and she made it look easy. You know, even when Carlos Esparza had reverse positions and got up, Tatiana Suarez, you know, throw threw a one-two, threw a kick, and then just got right back on her double and was able to get the takedown. She had no issues getting this fight to the ground. Showed slight issues in keeping the fight where she wanted it to be, but showed great amounts of uh, discipline and skills to get this fight back into her favor. So I think she is continuously growing. I think she's continuously going to get better. And uh, she's definitely going to get the victory here against Nina Ansaroff. And I don't want to give Nina too much shit. You know, I mean, she has looked good in her last several fights. You know, she's beaten Jocelyn Jones-Lyberger. She beat Angela uh, Hill. She beat Randa Marcos. And now she just recently beat Claudia Godilla in a fight that I know stunned a lot of people, including myself. She showed off a great calf kick, and then she out 
pretty much out-cardioed Claudia Godella and then just ran away with the fight at the end there. But it was interesting that Claudia Godella was not able to get anything pretty much off. You know, she she handily lost that fight. Uh, so Nita Ansaroff definitely showed improvements. Uh, you know, I think a lot of it has to do with ATT as well. I think they're doing a lot of good things with her. However, I don't think they can do anything or enough to even beat a girl like Tatiana Suarez. So she may have the advantage here in terms of experience. She has double the amount of fights as Tatiana Suarez, but I think that's the only thing she has going for her. And this is there's an absolute reason why fucking Tatiana Suarez is minus 855 against uh, Nina Ansaroff here. And I, I'm not mad about it at all. So Tatiana Suarez via submission. I'm going to say first round submission. All right, next up, we got Tai Tuivasa against Blagoy Ivunov. Blagoy. I just love saying his name. Uh, tai Tuivasa is, uh, is coming off a loss to Junior Dos Santos. Um, you know, unfortunate since he was headlining in his pretty much his home country. Um, and then he goes out there and gets uh, KO'd halfway into that second round. Um, you know, he shows weird flashes of power you know most of his fights never really gone none of his fights have gone past the first round really until he fought Andre Olovsky which was his ninth fight he showed a you know he showed composure he was able to stay in that fight and then eventually got the decision there but there were a lot of scary moments for him and I think in a fight against Blago Ivanov who's a veteran of the game 19 fights 17 and 2 I think that he has the the potential ingredients to give Taito Ivasa uh, uh, some trouble you know Blagoy has a great chin uh, you know, hasn't been finished from my, from my understanding yet. Well, he got choked up by Alexander Volkov. I definitely don't think we're going to see a choke by Tai Tuivasa here or any type of ground implementation for Tai Tuivasa. You know, Blagoy is a, is a great sambo uh, martial artist as well. Um, he showed, you know, I thought he lost that Ben Rothwell fight. It was very close in the, you know, that third round. The first half of that third round was kind of Ben Rothwell, and then later Blagoy kind of uh, had his success as well. So he showed that he could really go three rounds and do a solid three rounds. So he may have the advantage there in Tai Tuivasa. Um, I think there is definitely a little bit of interest on my side uh, in terms of dog money on Blagoy Ivanov. Uh, I think that he might be technically the better fighter here in Tai Tuivasa, but Tai Tuivasa has the youth and he has the 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 explosiveness and the power. Um, but I don't think that he's going to knock out Blagoy here. I think that he's going to have a little bit of trouble landing cleanly on Ivanov, uh, and I think that's why that uh, Ivanov is going to be able to, you know, stay composed, uh, counter-strike a lot. Uh, Taito Ivasa really leaves himself open when he tries to blitz and, and land big shots. Uh, so my only concern with Blagoy is maybe his lack of output at times. You know, maybe he might give a round away or round or two away, and that's definitely concerning. But considering the skill sets here, uh, I definitely like Blagoy. Um, I might actually make a dog play on him as well. I want to see where the line goes. It's kind of closing right now, but I think the last line you can get is plus 130. I want to see where that line goes. Um, I think Tai Tuivas is kind of flash in a pan. Uh, unfortunately, like I'm, you know, unfortunately I call it that way. Um, I think it's kind of over. When you start finding guys that are technically as good as a Blagoy Ivanov, you know, you could say Andre Arlovski is kind of in that, that realm too, but he made that fight a lot closer than it could have been. Uh, so I'm going to go with Blagoy by, by decision. I will give it to, to Ivasa. You know, he is, he can take some damage. The Dos Santos one was 
just you know dumb luck in terms of you know getting into that spot and not dumb luck sorry it was just unfortunate that he got into that spot uh and with uh, dos santos on top of him i don't think that blago is going to get it there but i think that he's going to be able to do enough on the feet and kind of just win enough exchanges to get a judge's decision so i'm going to go with blago even off by decision next up we got jimmy rivera versus peter yan this is a great fucking fight doesn't deserve to be higher on a card than Pedro Munoz against Aljamain Sterling due to rankings and due to significance of each guy. Uh, but I think that out of the four guys, the most exciting for me and the guy that I'm looking forward to the most is Peter Yan. I'm glad he's getting this fight against Jimmy Rivera. You know, it's a very highly ranked fight for him. This is going to be his fifth fight in the UFC. So it's finally about time that we start talking about this guy as a legitimate contender. You know, he was a, a champion way back in ACB, uh, but he's finally, you know, stamped his his hand uh, into this division with a victory over John Dodson. And I think that um, this fight against Jimmy Rivera is going to escalate him even more. The only issue I have with this fight is the odds. Um, let's see if they've closed. So roughly around plus 265, plus 270 is Jimmy Rivera. If that fucking number gets to plus 300 again, I think I saw it earlier this week, it actually hit plus 300. I, I think... Don't get me wrong. I think Peter Yan wins this fight. I think his consistency, uh, his pace, his ability to keep the pressure on, um, his just veracity of strikes uh, might be a little bit too much for Jimmy Rivera, who's kind of a guy that, you know, waits a lot, waits a lot, waits a lot, explodes. Waits a lot, waits a lot, waits a lot, explodes. I think that's that game plan is not going to really work with a Peter Yan here. I think that his his ability to to, you know... His grappling that he has in his back pocket might not even be enough for Peter Yan here either. But uh, Jim Rivera is still a very talented guy, you know, a showman trained guy. You know, he has good stand up. Um, I'm interested to see what kind of game plan they would come in here against Peter Yan with. Um, but I think plus 300 is too big of, uh, of, of, of an underdog for Jimmy Rivera. So I, I may sprinkle like 0.5 units on, on Jimmy Rivera. I think there's definitely value for him there. Um, but I wouldn't even be mad at seeing people, you know, parlay Peter Yan either. Personally, I'm not going to parlay him. Um, I think he wins this fight. Um, and I think he cements himself in that top five and really, you know, shouts from the mountaintops that he deserves a title shot or at least a number one contenders fight. Um, uh, but man, this guy is so fucking fun to watch and this has been a long time coming for him. So I'm very excited for this fight. So I'm going to take Peter Yam by third round, uh, third round TKO, um, with a possible bet on Jimmy Rivera if he hits a certain number. So, uh, just keep that shit in mind. <laughs> All right, next up, we got the people's motherfucking main event, the possible fight of the year, Tony Ferguson against Donna Sorney. I'm so psyched for this fight. It's not even funny. Like, I am beyond excited for this fight. Tony motherfucking Ferguson, undefeated since 2013. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven straight fights, eleven straight victories. He's coming in against Donald Cerrone, who has had a bit of a resurgence since he had his kid, uh, who's rattled off three straight wins over Mike Perry, Alexander Hernandez, and most recently, Ally Quinta. This is a very dangerous fight for uh, Donald Cerrone. You know, this is a fight where Tony Ferguson possesses that exact kryptonite to a Donald Cerrone, which is pressure in your face, constant striking, don't let Cowboy get comfortable. Um, I'm interested to see if this new kind of Donald Cerrone that we're seeing has the tools to adjust to what Tony Ferguson might be able to present. Because technically and skill-wise... You know, Donald's the sharper guy. Donald is the sharper striker. Um, 
I think on the ground, you got to give the advantage to Tony Ferguson. But in the striking, you know, pure striking, you got to give it to Donald Cerrone. Tony Ferguson is is weird and unorthodox and, uh, you know, can throw shit from anywhere. Um, but Donald Cerrone is going to be the crisper striker, the one throwing shots down the middle, the one throwing the better kicks. Uh, but I'd, it's all for me, it's all going to come down to Tony Ferguson's pressure uh, and staying in Donald Cerrone's face. I don't think he's going to allow Donald Cerrone to get off um, and I think he's actually going to push and break Donald Cerrone. I'm going to take. I'm actually going to be taking t- t- Tony Ferguson to win in the second round via TKO, uh, maybe even a dark choke finish. I could definitely see that. Um, but I have two units on Tony Ferguson at minus one thirty-two. I think there's definite value there for him. Unfortunate for everybody who take Tony Ferguson at minus two hundred. I definitely saw some Donald Cerrone money coming in. You know, because I don't think it should be that wide, but I do think there's a ton of value on Tony Ferguson at like minus 135, minus 140. I wouldn't even be surprised to see it get better, but I had to take my shot at minus 132 because I thought that was just that was just too good of a number. <laughs> I just had to fucking take it. So I have two units on Tony Ferguson. My only concern again here is, um, you know, uh, just Tony Ferguson mental state, where the fuck is it, you know, all the shit that he's had to go through since his last fight against Anthony Pettis, but uh, I'm I'm thinking that we're going to get the actual real Tony Ferguson in there, the one that fucking calls out McNugget and calls out fucking Kalabib and all those guys, uh, a victory over Donald Cerrone here, almost absolute, no, it fucking guarantees him a title shot over uh, Dustin Poirier and Khabib after they fight in September, so I'm taking Ferguson by second round KO, Maybe even submission. Uh, but uh, unfortunate loss for Donald Strong here. But I think it's Tony Ferguson's time. He's going to keep it motherfucking going. All right. Uh, Coleman event, Valentina Shevchenko against Jessica I. I'm not going to go over this too much because we all know that Valentina Shevchenko is going to win. I got her in the second round. I think she's going to win by by TKO. Um, you know, Jessica I, she's just so sloppy, man. The the Caitlin Trugagan fight, when she won that fight, she acted like she won the motherfucking lottery. Uh, the laundry, the lottery. It's ridiculous that she thought she won that. You know, she 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 was that happy. It's ridiculous that she was happy about that fight and that victory. You know, that fight was way too close. You know, she she was very slow in that fight compared to what Valentina Shevchenko is going to bring. Um, you know, she leaves herself open. Her blitz are very bad. I think that's where Valentina Shevchenko is going to catch her. When Jessica opens up a little bit, I think Valentina's one of her straight shots is just going to land on fucking eyes uh, nose and it's going to drop her. <laughs> eyes, nose, his face. <laughs> it's weird just saying just guy all the fucking time. Regardless, I think that Valentina is just going to land heavy shots in her and it's going to be too much for just guy in that second round and we're going to see a TKO victory for Valentina. There's no need to go into this fight. Just guy is not a live underdog. Don't even fucking bother. Next up, we got Henry Cejudo against Marlon Marais. Main event of the night. Uh, you know, phenomenal fight in terms of styles. I probably would have gone a different way in terms of, you know, making a new champion since the whole TJ Dillashaw thing that went down. Um, yeah, man. I, I, uh, I was kind of torn on this fight at first. You know, I think that Suhudo is very talented and he's obviously getting better. You know, he's gotten better since his Joseph Benavidez loss. Uh, he's beaten Wilson Hayes, Sergio Perez, Demetrius Johnson, obviously, and then that 32-second demolishing of TJ Dillashaw. However, he has a different opponent in Marlon Marais here 
who was a guy who was also coming into his own, you know. It was a very unfortunate loss that he took to Rafael Asensio in his UFC debut. It was a split decision loss. Could have easily gone his way. However, he's rattled off four straight wins since that as well as revenging that loss to Rafael Asensio in a very dominant manner uh, via guillotine choke in the first round. And I think that he is most deserving of a title shot for sure. Uh, and I think that he is actually going to claim the bantamweight tighter after this as well. I think that he beats Henry Suhudo. I think he's the better striker. I think that he's the more crisp striker. I think he's the more powerful striker. Um, he has very good takedown defense, you know, as just a martial artist um, or a mixed martial artist. I think, you know, he may get taken down a time or two against Suhudo, but I don't think he'll have much trouble getting back to his feet. So, you know, at most that those takedowns might just win Henry Suhudo or a round or two, but I think that Marlon Rice's pace and his 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 striking is what's going to be the downfall for Henry Suhudo here. I think that Marlon Moraes is going to be able to knock him out probably in the third round. And I th I think we begin the Marlon Moraes era, man. I think that he is the real fucking deal. There's a reason he was ruling the WSOF the way that he did. Uh, and I think that, you know, his precision striking, um, his takedown defense... Um, just as his constant improvement as well. I think he's just very solid. Uh, it's hard for me to see how Henry Suhudo wins this fight other than, you know, being able to get down Marlon Marais and holding him down for five rounds. Um, I think he's going to have a lot of trouble on the feet. Marlon Marais is definitely the better striker. Um, you know, Suhudo has grown definitely as a striker more so, but uh, I don't think that the the... The levels are the same in terms of striking here. And I think that Marlon Moraes is definitely going to have the advantage. And I think that he wins. Simple. Like, I don't have too much to break down on that fight because it simply comes down to two things for either guy. You know, will Mar Marlon Moraes be able to stop the takedowns? And will he be able to, you know, implement his effective striking game plan? Or will Henry Suhudo be able to get this fight to the ground? And will Henry Suhudo's chin hold up against whatever Marlon Marais is throwing? And I'm kind of leaning more so on the Marlon Marais side, how, which is why I have 1.5 units at minus 125 on Marlon Marais because I think there's plenty of value on Marlon Marais anything better than minus 130. So I'll definitely hit that. Uh, no more than two units, though, I would uh, recommend. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to take Marlon Marais for third round TKO. Um, and then Suhudo just goes back down to 125 and hopefully keeps that division around because he is definitely a once-in-a-lifetime athlete, uh, but I think he should just keep his ass down at 125 and then Marlon Marais to his thing at 135. Bam! That's UFC 238, bitches. That felt like a nice one to finally get through. It's 9 o'clock. I got to get the fuck home. <laughs> I got work in the fucking morning, but um, two things I wanted to do before getting out of here. The first... We're going to do a motherfucking lock of the night giveaway. I got a bunch of mugs. Uh, I'll put the uh, I'll put the link for the tweet of the picture that I sent out of all the mugs that I have uh, to give away to you guys. Um, a bunch of them have just, you know, famous MMA quotes. I think I still have Are You There, Pussy? Um, I Want to Fuck Chuck. Um, I'm Not Surprised, Motherfuckers. Shit like that. I have all these on uh, lock of the night mugs. I want to give them away to you guys. So every fucking UFC pay-per-view, I'm going to be doing a giveaway. And it's a pay-per-view, so I'm doing a giveaway. Uh, this one is going to be specifically for YouTube. So if you want to enter, all you have to do is comment down below. Um, give me for UFC 238, give me one winner uh, and their method of victory and round. If you get it on the dot, 
uh, you will be thrown in with into a draw with other people who have gotten their correct pick, and the winner of that draw will get the mug. So I will announce the winner on. I'll probably just do it on 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 the uh, on my Twitter, um, and then message that person directly through YouTube um, to get them their prize uh, because we don't have a UFC event after this until. Uh, UFC Greenville, I think it is, which is not next week, but the week after that. So, uh, no lock of the night next, or sorry, no lock cast next week. Um, so I will announce the winner after, probably on the Sunday after the fights here. But uh, simple, all you do again, once again, comment below this video on YouTube. If you're listening to this on a podcast or something on on Spotify, Stitcher, or anything like that, head over to my YouTube page. Comment below uh, regarding again your winner. Uh, their method of victory, and which round they do it in. Simple. All right? Winner gets a lo- gets a mug. And again, that the link for the picture is going to be in the description below as well, so make sure you guys check that out. And lastly, I'm repping my guys, Grand MMA, Rival Boxing Toronto. I used to work for these guys back in the day. Still keep in touch with the head coach, Ryan Grant, RG, one of my the biggest mentor, one of the biggest mentors in my life growing up, you know, I spent a lot of time with him. The coolest motherfucking guy you'll ever know, and uh, uh, you know, probably one of the best coaches that not a lot of people know about. Uh, you know, he mainly focuses on boxing. However, uh, he has a lot of guy, MMA guys at his gym too who are m- making sounds in the the local scene here, and will eventually be in the UFC. But this weekend, he has a big task ahead of him as one of his main protégés and Steve, Mr. Rose, is going to be going up against Triple G, Gennady Golovkin. Uh, Big, big fight for him. You know, I know that Steve Rose is a huge underdog here, but that guy possesses a ton of skill. So I'm not calling an upset here, but don't be surprised if he pulls off the victory somehow. You know, we saw a huge upset here against Andy Ruiz and and Anthony Joshua. I'm not saying that's what's going to happen here, but... I think that Steve Rose possesses the skills to make this a competitive fight and possibly win some sort of decision here. I don't expect him to get a finish, but um, you know, I think he will be in the fight for a good good amount of time. But big shout out to my guys; they're a big fight for them, and it's only bigger things coming ahead from there. So, uh, yeah, next uh, next we're doing the Combatasaurs. Actually, we're going to be doing it on Thursday, so today's Tuesday. In two days, we're going to be back in here, me and Tony doing combatasaurs, going over UFC Stockholm, going over whatever the fuck went over in the last two weeks, and also looking ahead to UFC 238, and uh, the cards coming up ahead as well. I think we have Bellator next week as well, so we'll probably cover that a little bit too. So, uh, yeah, like, subscribe, uh, let me know what you guys think about the combatasaurs, let me know what you guys think about the bets. Um, yeah, baby, that's it. <laughs> that's pretty much it. Like, comment, subscribe, do all this shit. Hit me on Twitter at MMALOTN. Check out the website, MMALOTN.ca. I'm out of here.